This podcast may contain coarse language. Listener's discretion is advised. Also, this podcast will obviously contain spoilers for Demon Slayer. Please beware, listen at your own risk. Welcome to the Demon Slayer Podcast. I am your host, VLORGTZ, and today I have three very special people with me. First up, we have the founder of ToonamiFaithful.com, Paul Prescrello. How did it become more... I'm not going to ask, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there were four finalists in the Demon Slayer exams, and there are four hosts on this episode of the Demon Slayer Podcast, so it's a nice matchup. I see. So what else do we have then? Yes. Um, we also have Lum Ramayasha. Hey everyone, glad to be here. Happy to help slay this demon of an episode with all these wonderful people here. Yes, and our last person is Laser Kid. Howdy people. So are you guys ready to talk about some good old Demon Slayer today? Yeah. Epi- yeah. Yeah, the episode five uh, sure was something. That was an episode, yeah. right? I mean, basically, it's the conclusion to this five-part beginning arc, uh, kind of establishing Tanjo joining the Demon Slayer Corps. So this is kind of like the denouement of this kind of story. Last week was the climax where we fought the Hand Demon, and this is like wrapping that up and giving us some emotional closure before heading us off into Tanjiro. Now fully a Demon Slayer uh, core member, he's going to go off on some new adventures, uh, fighting demons on his own now. Yeah, I mean, for those who don't know, when uh, Demon Slayer was first previewed in Japan and uh, Los Angeles, it was released as like a like uh i think like a two-hour film or something yeah so this was basically like the end of that film yeah and they're going to show these five episodes at anime nyc in a film format the subtitle of like this five episode run in as a movie is called siblings bond and so i believe that'll be playing at anime nyc on sunday yeah so if you're at anime nyc and you want to see this all kind of pieced together in the, that original film format, I think that that will be a really cool experience. V-Lord happens to be going, actually. Yes, uh, I and Lum are going to be there, and we'll be uh, doing a lot. Yeah, we probably will be missing the Demon Slayer screening, because there'll be other events that we'll want to go to. But uh, it is pretty cool that they're going to be showing it in the film format at the con. There's just too much in Anime NYC. It's overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, I'll go next year. (laughs) (laughs) I will need some more money to pull that one off. It'd probably be easier for you, Paul. So yeah, you should go. Maybe. We'll make that maybe a definitely at some point. Oh, okay, sorry. (laughs) But uh, let's not hold back any longer. Let's get straight into recapping this episode. So following the end of episode four, Tanjiro basically cut off the hand demon's head in a super awesome uh water breathing technique slash and uh the hand demon's just like in pure shock because like he had no idea that tanjiro was strong enough to even be able to cut him and he's just like freaking out like no no this this can't be the end you just see his uh body is slowly disintegrating 
And it's just like so like kind of uh, cool to see because he's just like so freaked out about it. But through this all, like his previous life starts passing uh, like through his mind, like his life as a human. So like he starts remembering his like old human memories and his like uh, love of his like his older brother and how much he cared for him. And, like, we learn that the hand demon killed his older brother when he turned into a demon. And he got, like, so traumatized, like, by this that he just eventually, like, forgot about it. It's kind of really effed up. It's really <laughs> sad. You, you don't expect to feel bad for this guy after the last episode, but it totally makes you feel that way. Yeah. And I think that's one thing Demon Slayer does really well. It, like does a great job, like, just conveying the, like, emotions that even the enemies are feeling in the series and really kind of making you sympathize with them in a way that doesn't necessarily redeem what they've done. And uh, it kind of just is further uh, capitalized on by how Tanjiro reacts to the situation. He's gotten revenge for all his, like, former peers and Urokodaki, um, but he's not, like, having any sense of victory about it. Rather, he's feeling sorry for the Hand Demon. Like, as he's, like, looking at, like, uh, the Hand Demon's disintegrating body, he's like, please, like, save this uh, person in the next life. Like, he, he's really just kind of empathetic towards the Hand Demon, which is really interesting to see. Like, Tanjiro doesn't have this sense of like animosity towards demons he understands that demons are tragic figures in their own right they've all been turned into these monsters and kind of have forgotten who they were as humans and a recurring thing that we end up seeing but all the demons in the show is that they all have some kind of tragic trauma in their past that led them to becoming a demon and led them to being corrupted and turning sinister in some way so Tanjiro recognizes that at the end and as their memories are flooding back you know they're giving a chance to repent and a chance to be forgiven and find some closure to their lives I also found it interesting where they made a point where he was very interested in holding his brother's hand which might explain why he's a hand demon yeah yeah Nice detail there, Laser. Yeah, and in, like, uh, the Handyman's final moments as it finally, like, seemingly passes on, like, we see those memories of uh, the Handyman holding his older brother's hand. And it's just a really kind of, like, touching closure to the character. And after this, uh, Tanjiro kind of sees the ghosts of all the of uh, all the water-breathing disciples that uh, the Handyman killed. And, like, you see them all kind of passing on to the afterlife. It, it's just a really kind of nice scene. Yeah, he's avenged all scene. of uh, the, his fellow pupils of Urukodakis. You know, the hand demon killed them all, and Tanjiro is the one who has survived. And now, thanks to that, thanks to putting the hand demon to rest, they can all also go to rest. It also shows him being, like, a true successor to Orokodaki, like the hand even confuses him for Orokodaki for a moment. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, I love that scene. Like just, just like it's slowly transitioning to like Orokodaki's mask. 
so good. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I had to comment on it. It was too cool. But yeah, the, defeating the hand demon ends up basically being Tanjiro's kind of peak of the final selection. Like we see like a little kind of like mini montage of him having to handle other demons. And like, if you notice, like he's trying to reason with them. He's not going straight to fighting them. Yeah, he's constantly he asking to... about Nezuko and like, how do I fix someone from being a demon? Right. <clears throat> and of course, they aren't even talking to him. They're just attacking. Who knows if they really have much sentience to these lower level demons that he's fighting right now. That on the same level as the hand demon to even tell him. But yeah. It, the, wor- the worst part of it too is like you can see the pain in Tanjiro's face when he has to like cut them down. Oh my god, mm. he's they, they the expressions on Tanjiro are really expressive. Yeah, but did you actually? But did you notice also that he was pretty much like at this point, like I mean, he's a demon slayer now. Like basically, he's he's confident in his skills and he knows he can cut any of these demons down now. So mm-hmm. you know. Even though he's oh, yeah. respecting these demons, like I feel like he's he's grown to what he's supposed to be now. So he understands that he has to kill them. Yeah, like, that that's There's not no like, hesitation. An the hesitation like in episode gone. two, like he just does it now instantly, and it's like one hit kill with these other demons, basically. Oh yeah, like the last real hesitation we got was right before he jumped at the hand demon. That's the last time that he does that. Tanjiro's become one cut man. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh God. I do think I do think that like him holding the, the demon's hand as the demon dies too was was really touching. I was kinda like, okay, this is this is getting this is getting real serious here. <laughs> so Yeah. You know, like one detail that I like is that <laughs> the demon as he's dying and evaporating is like, no, I the last thing I want to see is this demon slayer's face. Cause he doesn't want to see a face, you know, disgusted at him, condemning him. Like this is a detail that I feel was carried over a little better in the manga, but still here it comes across that when Tanjiro looks at him, it's not a face of hatred. It's a face of pity and sympathy and that kind of takes the handyman aback and but also helps them that in his final moments he's not being regarded as a monster he is being regarded and treated with kindness and given right. a kind farewell well I, I think i think he also understands that these demons aren't just they're not just demons they're actually humans that have been turned to demons because of some other demon that came in and, you know, just uprooted their life. I mean, he just went through it. He's still going through it with his sister. You know, I mean, he completely understands. That's why he re- he's respecting these demons. And, you know, I think I, it was just really touching to see, like, the demon, like, like him doing that and the demon responding by crying before it d- completely died. So, you know, that was – I feel like that was that was a really touching scene. Now – the scene where it's just the four of them, that's... I have so much to say about that, but let's, let's get to that point. <laughs> yeah, so uh, after like uh, a lot of trials and tribulations, Tanjiro passes through, through the entire week and uh, passes the final selection. So he basically returns back to like the home area of like the final selection, and he notices that the only other people who survived are like three other people. Mm-hmm. And he's like, surprised about it because like the one person that was also being attacked by the hand demon that he tried to save 
Turns out that he didn't survive. Uh, Turns out died. ditching your comrades is not a good survival tactic. Yup. No. Nope. But yeah, like the interesting thing about the, these other three people is that they all have very different reactions on their faces. Yes, they do. Yeah. I love that the butterfly girl, I don't I don't know if I should say her name since I don't I think, think you can said. say her name. Okay, like, it's not so Canal, I love that she the whole time is just looking at her butterfly even while Genya is making his whole scene and Sunitsu is freaking out. You know, she's just calm and just staring at her butterfly. She doesn't say a word the entire episode. She's just taking the entire situation calmly. Yeah, um, why in the hell is he a demon slayer? <laughs> Zenitsu? Zenitsu? Zenitsu's, Zenitsu's well, my favorite. <laughs> you'll find, the, oh you'll find out why we'll in like 10 out. episodes we'll totally find out. when you get his backstory. The, the, one, the one thing I really like about this whole sequence, though, is that I, I'm not sure how far ahead Gotage planned on this when they were writing the story initially, but there's so much great foreshadowing here on these characters' personalities. Like... Zenitsu's kind of like super like nervous, freaking out like behavior. Genya's kind of arrogant, bombastic behavior, and Canal just being straight up silent. Mm-hmm. Like it all like relates back to their characters, as we'll see later on. Yeah, there's all reasons why they're acting the way they are in this scene. Man, why, I, where they're coming from an emotional place with Zen- I don't know, I just, Zenitsu, even without the context of his backstory I think you can mm-hmm. understand that a normal person would be rattled having gone through like fighting a bunch of demons all night long that it would be a traumatic experience for most people well, and unlike too, these so. other three characters as we kind of learn later on with Zenitsu like he didn't really want to do this he didn't really want to become a demon slayer he was forced into this so uh, you can understand his reaction but uh i guess i guess we should have uh we should have paul talk since uh this is his first time seeing the episode <sighs> do, do you really want me to do this <laughs> yes do it I, i'm um, interested to hear your so let me, let me put it to you this way if i were a sniper on a hill and I saw this little prick doing what he did. I probably would, I wouldn't shoot him in the head. I'd shoot him in the balls. Oh man! Like literally, like I mean, he, he's sitting there, like literally trying to kick these little girls' ass. Which I'm sitting here going, I feel like those two girls would probably snap your neck in two seconds. But <laughs> you know, luckily, what's his name was there to kind of just be like, I'm breaking your hand. Stop this fucking shit right now. Um. Yeah, G- Ganya is just like a straight up jerk in this scene. Oh my god! Like, like, I, uh, like I, I just wanted to punch him in the face. Like, I literally that was the only thing I could focus on on that on that part of the scene because I'm just like, how is this little prick going to be a demon slayer? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure I'm going to get it at some point, but like, I just I, I don't get it right now. Like, it it all makes sense. Like. A very long time for now. Honestly, your reaction is the same one I had when I first went through. He's kind of a jerk at this point. No, he's a prick. Yeah. Just, just I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. he's a prick. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not wrong. Like, well, one thing I'll say is that Genya ends up becoming one of my favorite characters in the series. <laughs> he's but, not for me yet. <laughs> this is how sick yeah, the Lord he, is. He's just a total jerk in, in this early, like, introduction. Yeah, he's very like, much like Bakugo, I would say, in terms of where, like, Lord, where his anger is yeah. coming from. Which is funny, because in the Japanese uh, uh, language version of this, 
he's voiced by the same Seiyu as Bakugo. Oh, that's God. funny. <laughs> that, that, that's that's perfect great. casting. Well, yeah. Honestly, like I just well, first of all, I think you're sick and sadistic there, Velor. But anyways, um, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I hope this gets explained because I'm kind of I I really just want to punch him for touching those girls, <laughs> honestly. But man, Genya, this is like his only <laughs> speaking role in this entire season. Yeah, the the one thing I'm gonna note here, like Genya and Canal, uh, they are very important characters. But they are not gonna really do anything for the rest of the season. I mean, Canal has an episode named after her in this season. She gets a focal episode at the very least, towards the very end. But Genya, you'll see him once more. He won't talk at all, and that's it. But he's so cool. <laughs> he's so cool. I guess I'll have to take your word for it. I need to stand over here for Zenitsu to, to balance you out now, V-Lord. <laughs> I mean, Zenitsu's going to get tons of screen time. Oh, yeah, Zenitsu's like, fucking great. Yeah. I love him. He's amazing. Mm. But, like, yeah, so basically uh, the two uh, guides for the final selection, Kanata and Akira, uh congratulate the four Demon Slayers and... Uh, basically tell them to pick out like a stone um to like make their uh blade of color change out of the signature blade of the demon slayers mm-hmm. and th- this is how the whole like thing with genya happens because genya is like i don't want to wait for my nishirin blade i want it now i'm an impatient person <laughs> i'm gonna beat you up Look, this isn't JJ. This isn't JD Wentworth. Okay, you can't have your cash now. Okay, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, and here I was going to make a Willy Wonka reference. I uh, want to know eight seven seven sword now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't give them ideas, Veeler. Continue. But yeah, so Tanjiro uh, stops Genya from being a jerk. Uh, kind of crushes his arm. And then they all just calm down and uh, look at the kind of stone things to pick out what uh, kind of sword they want. And the only one who really seems like uh, that they know what they're kind of doing is Tanjiro because he realizes that he can sniff out the best stone by uh, using his like uh, high sense of smell. Right. I, yeah, I kind of like that because it's like <clears throat> otherwise they don't look all that different. Yeah. Well, I think that was done on purpose, but yeah, continue. Oh, I agree. Yeah, but like, uh, as we see Tanjiro uh, going for his stone, like it, the like uh, camera basically zooms in on his hand and it transitions to uh, a mysterious character who is uh, kind of learning the result of the final selection. And uh, they specifically say that five people have passed. <laughs> Note, Five, not four, five. That This will be important later on. I had to have fun with that with people I was watching with. And I'm just like, they're like, what do you mean five? And I'm just sitting here going, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah side like, to yeah. side. You, you guys will see. It'll all make sense. And you will be happy. From context, from the way that he is referring to them as his children, as you can sort of glean that this guy is pretty high up in the Demon Slayer organization. Yeah, um, his, his actual name, it's in the credits that they, they mentioned what his actual name is. It's Kageya U, uh, Ubayashiki. 
He's very important, and he will appear later on in the season. Mm -hmm. That sounds fair. But the only thing about this part that I wanted to bring up, just because I noticed it late when we were talking about manga chapters later, they talk about the ranks. I'm like, oh my god, that really was there. (laughs) Oh yeah, I forgot about the ranks, because they really aren't important They really aren't. They really aren't. But because I noticed it later, I'm like, oh, it really was here. Yeah, I feel like that's like one of those ideas that go to gay had planned out initially, and then they just decided, nah, this is just not going to work out. It's too complicated. But uh, as we transition out- outside of uh, the-, the whole final selection, we see Tanjiro kind of limping home back to Rokodaki because he's just completely roughed up. That reminds me of uh, of Goku. Where like Goku will just like destroy somebody, and then he'll just be like, "Oh my god, what the fuck is wrong with me right now?" <laughs> yeah, Goku, Goku'll just like crash on the ground, and be like, "Well, I'm not walking for a few days or weeks." Oh, yeah, look, it's I like, broke every bone in my body. How did this happen? <laughs> yeah, no, it's more I, like it's like, "Oh yeah, I won. Time to sleep." Yeah, that sounds like Goku, all right. Yeah. Yep. You can tell he's worn out because he's using a stick as a crutch and as a classic anime cliche. The signature limping material. Yeah, he's, he's limping and, like, stumbling and just, like, oh, it looks painful. Yeah. It feels so bad I for mean, him. It's I like... really appreciate the detail in the character animation. Like, oh, that. Yeah. it really I, I... is showing him take one step forward and then drag his other foot. And then that goes so slowly. Just the process of him lifting the stick, putting it in the ground, taking a step, and then dragging his other foot forward. Like, I mm-hmm. really appreciate yeah. that subtle stuff. Oh, yeah. And we get a small, uh, uh, small, slow sunset going on as it's going on as he gets closer and closer to home. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One other thing we forgot to mention. They all got crows at the end of the final selection. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Except, Except for, for Zenitsu, who got, got a sparrow. Else. Yes. Yeah, yeah Zenitsu got a sparrow because Zenitsu is the meat. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, th- those crows are basically their messenger crows, and they, like, communicate like their orders from the higher ups of the demon slayer corpse and they also have very loud like weirdly pitched voices yes they, they replicated that very well in the dub mm-hmm. i would agree definitely yeah you wouldn't be able to tell who the actor was just hearing like the squeaky voice of the crow at the end yeah, but uh, eventually Tanjiro does make it back to Rokodaki's place, and the person who greets him is Nezuko, who's finally yeah. woken up. She kicks, kicks down, down the, the door. door. Oh my gosh, that's great. We both have the same thought. Yeah, she kicks <laughs> down that stupid door and just like, no, I'm coming to you. <laughs> yeah, she just walks yeah. out like straight forward, like not even looks at him, but then turns to, to look at him. It's like, I have to wonder, so Nezuko was sleeping for such a long time. Did she just wake up and break down that door? Or does she always break down the door and just <laughs> opening it every time she wants to go outside? We just seen a slice of life series about Nezuko where every day she's just breaking down the door. Hirokodaki has to find ways to fix it. I would yeah. be 100% okay with that. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Then we get that big giant hug. <clears throat> yeah. I was going to say, I find it very funny that she, she like bursts out of the house and then, you know, they obviously are hugging and whatever. And then the next scene, she's like sleeping again. I'm like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> All that sleep energy just for well, and Nezuko isn't eating right now. So she needs to conserve her energy by sleeping. 
Yeah, hmm. Orokodaki says something to the fact that they thinks that she gets her energy from sleeping. Yeah, but uh, th- this uh, whole scene here is, I think, one of the best scenes of the anime. Because, like, Nezuko runs up to Tanjiro and, like, hugs hugs him while, like, Tanjiro's, like, crying. And then Orokodaki walks in and also joins him in the hug. And he's crying and they're all so happy. Yeah, he drops I mean, the freaking wood he's got and just goes straight over and hugs both of them. Yeah, Orokodaki yes. is overjoyed. Like, with this stoic stern character that we saw train Tanjiro, you know, he was very strict and very harsh with his training, but now in this moment, finally seeing a student of his survive and return to him, like, yeah, he just is <clears throat> overcome with just profound happiness, and he cried. Amazing detail I love is that he's crying behind his mask, and you see the tears fall down, and it's such right. an emotional moment that really, this the wall of this character's stoic seriousness is kind of broken down and he's just, you know, tr- indulging in how much he cares for these kids and how overjoyed he is that he, he survived. You got to think like this guy's been training and teaching this, this kid for like two years now, basically. So, you know, for him to not only have, have him come back alive, but you know, just to because of all the time that he's invested. I mean, he's basically his parent now. I mean, so you know what I mean? Like you get you got to take that into consideration. And and honestly, this whole episode was kind of just a bundle of emotion because and and good emotion. You know, mm-hmm. all joking aside, I mean, this was a really good emotional episode. I like those kinds of episodes. Oh, so yeah. I mean, he even makes it clear he knew about the hand demons. So he had good reason to assume that Tanjiro wasn't come back. He knew it was killing all of his students the whole time. Yeah. And that's why he gave him that big boulder in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of a, in a way it was a obstacle that Tanjiro wasn't meant to overcome. Like he was hoping that Tanjiro would never break that boulder, but him doing so kind of proved that he did have the strength to take on this challenge. So he had to relent and let him go. But even then, there, it was still uncertain whether he would get the job done. But You know, the, the one thing that puzzles me, and I don't know, obviously we, we probably won't ever know this, but why did his previous students that were dead go to Tanjiro? Why didn't they go to other students and do the exact same thing they did with Tanjiro? Because we can infer that never happened because, what was it, like 14 of them? that were dead? I think it's implied that they did, but none of them were strong enough because the hand even kept getting stronger too. Yeah, perhaps they did, but it wasn't until Tanjiro uh, who succeeded. Because yeah, I mean, Sabato makes a remark to Makoma on the effect of you, uh, even you couldn't uh, do it. So it, it, that implies he was training her before she went too. I, I don't know. I, I feel like... I feel like maybe none of them were able to do what Tanjiro did. Oh, like, no, and I, I don't, I, I, you're right about that. I don't mean, I don't mean like just killing the demon. I mean, like there was something different, which probably drew those two out to help him. And obviously at the time he thought they were alive. He didn't think they were just spirits, but you know, I think they saw something in Tanjiro that made them go, okay, this guy can avenge us and let us move on to the, to the afterworld so to speak, and afterlife, afterworld, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, I, I think that's why Tanjiro was able to defeat him was because 
if it wasn't for them, if it wasn't for him cutting the boulder, which I think Orokudaki put that in his way as a way of he's not going to be able to do this. This will prevent him from going to the exam because, you know, I mean, it's implied. It's basically implied that he doesn't want any time that he that he gets a student or a kid, which are all his orphans, so to speak. You know, we're talking about somebody that, you know, basically, again, he's a parent. He doesn't want to see them go. So he's going to put the biggest obstacle in front of him and be like, if you can't pass this, you're not doing anything. That's what parents do. And guess what? He passed it with flying colors. It took him a while, but he was able to do it. So then he was able to go and do this, do this exam. And now, you know, now he's probably one of the, the, the strongest demon slayers that they have, you know? So, I mean, I, I feel like we haven't seen, obviously you guys know more than I do because you've, you've gone ahead, but, um, we haven't seen everything from Tanjiro. We haven't seen his full extent, his full power. So, I'm excited to kind of see that myself, honestly. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, we're definitely gonna see more of what Tanjiro's capable of in these coming arcs. Oh, definitely. But yeah, I mean, after uh, all the heartfelt emotions of uh, reuniting with Nezuko and Rokodaki, the next uh, day comes, and uh, the swordsmith uh, Gana and Nezuka comes to Rokodaki's place. And uh, he's here to make uh, or like deliver uh, Tanjiro's uh, Nishirin blade. This guy, yeah. this freaking guy! <laughs> oh my god! Very he's self-absorbed. So like Rokodaki yeah, comments that he did, will not listen to anything that anyone else says. He's like super in, on, invested in just hearing himself talk and explain all these details about swords. Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I want to note here really quickly is that this is some. No- also amazing foreshadowing on Gotuge's part. You see uh, Hagane, Haganezuka mention uh, that he wants to see a red blade. That will be very important in the future. Remember the red blade. But that's all I'm going to say. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's, that's new for me. Yes, it's, it's even further than where you are, Laser. Ooh. I, I don't think even Lum has read those chapters. No, probably not. Voice casting wise, I do think it's funny that uh, Robbie Diamond has exchanged his tuxedo mask for a clown mask. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even recognize it was him at first. Yeah. Like it sounds so different. Yeah, I saw him post on Twitter. I've never spoken a truer line than "I am thirty-seven years old." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, he, he when he's talking about all these like different colors of blades that uh, Tanjiro's blade can turn into. He eventually just, like, gives him the sword, and we see the color that Tanjiro's blade transforms into. And it's just black. And, uh, apparently black is an uncommon color for the swords, but it doesn't really have any, like, special properties. And, uh, Hagane Izuka just gets super pissed. He's like, what the heck? I wanted a red sword! Why didn't you give me a black sword? (laughs) (laughs) That's just that guy. That guy. Is this like yeah. the black lightsaber? Like it's really special in some way? Is that was that what's going on here? No, it's it's literally doesn't have anything special about it. It's literally just a normal black sword. It's just an uncommon choice, but it's mm-hmm. not special. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. 
Yeah, that 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 scene gets me every time. Uh, it's yeah, so the job. It's even better. Just that line. Uh, I'm 37 years old because Robbie Diamond literally is 37 years old right now. It's fun so. for me because I'm 38, so I'm like, you're one year younger than me, bro. Come on. <laughs> By the way, I I don't understand why he needs a. I, I get he's a demon slayer, so they're going to give him a demon slayer sword, but um, he just cut off a demon's head that wasn't able to be cut off with the sword he had. Why would I want to go to a different sword? Well, I think like they, he also had a type of Nishirin blade already, but it wasn't one that he handpicked. What they were having them do is pick up their personal Nishirin blade. Yeah, they made a point about the uh, Nishirin swords when uh, Gonzuka showed up, uh, saying that they're made from scarlet sand and ore from the mountain closest to the sun. Mika looking at that being a Jojo fan going, it's a sword made of hormone. <laughs> yeah you'll get to learn more about the sword making process way way later in the series it's some interesting stuff but uh for now like uh tanjiro has gotten his sword uh been beating the crap out of by haganazuka and now his crow is screaming at him to go on a mission the ref has become a crow (laughs) 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 oh dear yeah, uh, but our, our episode basically ends with uh, us going to a uh, mysterious town where there's this couple walking and suddenly the woman in the couple disappears. Yeah. And that's where Tanjiro's headed. The girl says girls are disappearing. I'm thinking, oh, they've been kidnapped. And then you go over there and like, oh, they're literally disappearing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yup. So that's going to be something to very much look forward to. In the next episode, I love this episode so much. It's, it's so good. It's, it is. It's so densely packed. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on, and all of it's good. Mm-hmm. Very emotionally satisfying. I agree. Like this, roughly adapts chapters eight and nine, I believe, of the manga, and it just does it so perfectly. Like it's not like a panel by panel adaption, but it does a really good job. Of just like enhancing the experience and kind of converting it to an appropriate kind of uh, presentation for the anime. And like the scenes are just so great. Like the hug scene with Orokodaki and everyone is great in the manga, but you can just feel the weight so much more in the anime just with the music and just the emotion, the voice acting. It's, it's just so great. I've said it before and I'll probably say it again. But this story was meant to be an anime. I've read it first as a manga, and I love the manga. But, oh man, this anime adaptation just improves on everything. Yeah, you can tell that Yuffie put a lot of care into making sure this is, like, the best adaption possible for Demon Slayer. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I just couldn't be happier. But, uh... Going back to some more dub-specific things, we had talked uh, briefly about some of the different dub cast members that were introduced in this episode. But I think we might as well just like go through all of them. Yeah, there are a ton of interesting casting choices, even for like minor, minor ca- characters in this episode. Yeah, so uh, I guess I'm just going like from top to bottom on the English voice cast from the credits. But uh, so Genya is voiced by. Zeno Robinson. And interesting thing about him is that he's actually a big Demon Slayer fan already. Like, I believe he reads the manga and everything. Mm-hmm. 
He's also a big Jujutsu Kaisen fan, too, which Ooh, is even more interesting. Very cool. Hopefully, when Jujutsu Kaisen gets an anime, he can get cast in that. I yeah. think I was looking through his credits, and, you know, he's played some pretty big characters. I was surprised to find that one of his first roles was actually in Ben 10 Alien Force Ultimate Alien as the character Alan Albright, who is like that uh, heat blast human kid that they... That became oh, yeah. part of ben I Jujutsu actually remember that, that character. Yeah, yeah. And most recently, he was uh, Prince Kelby in Cannon Busters. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really, really good choice. And then uh, going next down, we have the Kasugai Crow, Tanjiro's kind of signature crow, who is voiced by uh, Doug Erholtz, who is vo- currently voicing Zenigata on Lupin Part 5. Yeah, as well as a ton of other roles he's had in... Uh, his career in the past, like uh, I mentioned, Polnareff before, and he's Genichimaru in Bleach. Uh, a ton of really notable roles. Yeah, so really uh, good choice there. Right? It, it's kind of a it's kind of a waste to use this guy who's been really major characters in other series as just the crow. I hopefully they cast him as another character too. I mean, the crows get to do quite a bit. They talk a lot. Yeah, but... <laughs> and the crow was fun. It was fun. It's just like, oh, hi there. <laughs> <laughs> but they're mostly there to just give announcements. They're not really known for giving, like, super nuanced character. Act. Yeah. The crow is not going to fight any demon uh, or anything. He's not going to get emotional or have a character arc. Uh, I My message, it hasn't been delivered. No! <laughs> What if a crow has to fight a demon crow? Ah, I will say that uh, for messages, but now <laughs> I will say that on the subject of uh, double casting, I do find it pretty amusing that they, even though Nesiko doesn't speak in this episode, they found a role for her actress Abby Trot to have as the hand demon's brother. So they're they're giving her lines to say even. When Nezuko doesn't actually speak in an episode. Yeah, like, Nezuko doesn't really get to talk much for the rest of the series. Mm. She just gets to moan and grunt a little bit. Yeah, so, like, they they have to keep Abby Trot around to do the moans and grunts. But, like, it's good to give her some other work as other characters, too. Because, like, all these actors are very versatile in their performances. They can do multiple roles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's nice. But uh, going further down, as we already mentioned... Uh, Haganezuka is Robbie Damon, which yeah. Tuxedo Mask himself. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Woman Rider. <laughs> and Woman Rider. He should have been riding a bicycle up to Urokodaki's place instead of walking. Oh my God. Oh my Again, God. don't give them ideas, please. <laughs> <laughs> he should have been wearing a helmet instead of that uh, sun hat. Oh, God. I love how he comes up like looking all serious and dramatic and then it's that face. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then further down, we have Kageya Uyashiki, who is voiced by Matthew Mercer. And just from the little bit that we heard of it, it sounded like perfection. That is how I expected Uyashiki to sound. He's really good at deep voice characters. You know, he was Jotaro in JoJo's. He was hit in Dragon Ball Super. You know, he's really good at the very serious voiced characters. I totally agree. 
Yeah, I'm interested to hear more of him once we get to some of uh, Ubiashiki's more intense scenes mm. in the series. The more I hear Matt Mercer and stuff, the more I feel like I really should check out that Critical Role series that he does. I watched a little bit of it the other day, and it's really good. Like, I, I like it a lot. Yeah, but uh, he's a voice actor extraordinaire, and I think that the cadence of his voice was pitch perfect for Ubiashiki. Who is a character who commands respect, for sure. Definitely. And these characters had speaking uh, roles in the previous episode, but since I didn't mention it, I'm just going to mention it here. So the black-haired guide, who is Kiria, is voiced by Christine uh, Cabanos. And the white-haired guide, who is uh, named Kanata, is voiced by Mela Lee. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, you know, these uh, actors... uh, have played pretty major characters in other series, like uh, Christine Cabanos is Sailor Saturn and Sailor Moon, and Mela Lee. Uh, uh, man, she, we got some Sailor Moon crossovers going on. Spaffy Mercer was also Prince Demand in Sailor Moon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the most notable role that I recognize for Mela Lee is uh, she's Rena and Higurashi and Erica and Dorarara. Uh, but she's been pretty major characters before, too. Oh, Rin in uh, the Unlimited Blade Works dub. That's a big one. And, oh, uh, okay. And Hunter yeah. Hunter shows, Canary and Hunter Hunter. Ooh. Or nice. Tsunami related shows, rather. But yeah. Them good people at Bang Zoom. Yeah, all around some solid casting. Like, they really haven't uh, disappointed at all. One that really was kind of ended up being funny to me when I looked her up was uh, the so uh, the who the person who plays the hand demon at younger self, uh, Jessica DeSico. Uh, she was the voice of Maggie in the Buzz on Maggie, if anyone remembers that mid 2000s DC Channel series. And when I looked up the credit, I was like, what? Well, that's pretty funny. I think I vaguely remember that. And, uh, if I, in terms of other one. notable roles, uh, she was Flame Princess in Adventure Time. Oh, okay. I, I definitely remember that. Yeah, that's uh, probably a character people would uh, remember. Uh, surprisingly, I don't think she's been in too many uh, anime roles. This seems to be only the second like major thing behind... Uh, character she played in Unlimited Blade Works. She's mainly known for her work on uh, American animated series. Like, she's both Lin Loud and Lucy Loud in The Loud House. So, two of the Mm -hmm. Loud siblings, which is uh, pretty big, too. Yeah. And uh, we already knew uh, who was voicing Zenitsu, but uh, since this is his first time speaking in the series, I guess might as well mention that it's Alex Lay, and damn, he's doing a great job. Oh, he's I'm perfect. Interested. Yeah. I'm interested to see uh, how he's going to do some of the more uh, comedic performances of Zenitsu, because this first introduction is a bit different than how he usually acts. Yeah, I was a little yeah. concerned because he doesn't have a lot of credits to his name and none that I personally know. But man, he he's doing a good job. Yeah, I think this is like his first really big anime role. Like he's been a games actor for a long time, but this is his first big role in anime TV series. So, but he's, uh, doing he's in uh, shield hero and uh, grand crest war. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I mean, he seems very well loved in the VA community. So 
That's a good sign. That's and good I must sign. say that I'm sure you guys talked about it on the last episode, but I love Kirk Thornton, so I really got to kick that out of the fact that he was the hand demon. But also, every time he spoke, I couldn't help but imagine Tanjiro was fighting Don Patch, and I was just waiting for him <laughs> to say, I'm the main character here! <laughs> uh, but, uh, oh, Don Patch. I love oh, Kirk Torrenton. I'd say Blu-ray set win, but I know when it's coming out now, so that's all. <laughs> Can it be December already, please? Please. It's only oh, five copies. It's, it's a month away. Oh, God. I think Paul's the only one here that doesn't like Bo Bo. We got a gang up on him. One of us. One of us. <laughs> Google gobble. Google gobble. Um, no. No, thank you. <laughs> you shall not join the cult of Bo Bo Bo? Listen. If you try to if you try to put me in the cult of Bobo Bo, I'll make you watch Woolen Royers on repeat in a room locked. Oh dear. Oh no. That's, yes. a, oh, that's no. a pretty terrifying threat. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, it's part of my presentation when I do when I do panels and people laugh all the time when I do it. <laughs> I literally like I'm literally like, this is what Toonami does does well. And this is what happens when Toonami is told, you're just gonna put this show on. Executive meddling. By the way, one of those other things is uh, Hamtaro. So we c- I could torture you with that too if you want. I love Hamtaro. I, like I will watch that. I would do it. Uh, yeah. Okay, so then it's totally Woolen Warriors. <laughs> See, so we, need to get, Warriors. we need to get a Hamtaro set. Yeah, I want Hamtaro to be licensed rescued. They should put all of that back out on Disco oh, Tech. Bring us yeah. the Hamtaro. Disco yeah, Tech. You know, we got Where's... Zatch Bell rescued in a lot on DVD. Bobo Bo has been rescued Where's and now he's out knife So I but, can just cut yeah. myself. Honestly, um, I think Hamtaro people look back on it very fondly. I see a lot yeah, of I don't Hamtaro. Love, it love long Hamtaro, time, but it's enjoyable but, to me. So Yeah. But it's uh, silly stupid. Mm-hmm. The good time. But back to Demon Slayer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Replace all the de- uh, characters in Demon Slayer with uh, hamsters. Ham hams. It's a. Uh, oh my god. No, no, no. <laughs> the, the line has to be drawn somewhere. And I'm going to say, well, honestly, yeah. Maybe you'd make uh, you guys happier if the show was renamed Ham Ham Slayer and they were actually killing off all the hamsters from Tantaro. No, that, no would be worse. that would be worse. I like where you're going with this. I really do. <laughs> it's like taking it's taking Inuyasha and putting it into Demon Slayer. That would be very good. I would like that so much. Oh, you want him to kill Inuyasha? No, I want him and Inuyasha to, to fight, and then they journey together. That would just be hilarious. So we and need awesome. a crossover comic where they first yeah. fight and then they team up against the greater evil. That'd be cool. Exactly. That's yeah, honestly, Muzan and Naraku have the same kind of energy going. I think that they I could see that. Well, think about it. Think about it. Like, what would happen if they cross swords? Do you think that the Tensaiga would try to strike him down, or do you think it would go back into its original form out of respect for Tanjiro? Hmm. Well, because see, Tanjiro isn't really a bad guy; he's a good guy. So, knowing how the knowing how the the Tensaiga works, I don't think that it would just be like, "Yeah, it's okay, strike him down, use whatever power I have, just go ahead." I mean, no, yeah, if exactly. Yeah, if I don't think it would work on Tanjiro because Tanjiro be a human, so it'd just be like, yeah. "Nope." 
Well, there's that part too. If Inuyasha was on the defensive, he would be able to use it to protect himself, but he wouldn't be able to use it to attack Tanjiro because, again, like uh, he can't he can't use it to attack like an a good person, innocent person. Tanjiro would just give Inuyasha a hug, and everything would be over. <laughs> oh, oh my god. <laughs> So, any, like, final thoughts about this episode? Incredibly emotional and awesome. Mm-hmm. A good cap to this introductory arc, and I think it really has set the tone for what the show is and the emotional core of it, and what you can expect from it going forward. And I would say, this was probably one of the, this is probably the best episode so far that I've seen of Demon Slayer, honestly. Other than the end scene of episode four there, where he cuts his head off. I can agree with that. I mean, I'm an action kind of guy. I got to I got to say the cutting of the head is always awesome. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're telling me is you need to get ahead in life. Exactly. I had to get a pun in somewhere. I'm sorry. Well, apparently, since we're talking about the demon being the hand demon, we apparently you need a handy in life, too. So what the hell? I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I made lots I mean, of handy puns last night. I mean, I guess that I guess all that training that Tanjiro did came in handy. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I have my, my watch. I mean, I can keep going with this, or we can just end the episode. I don't care. Whatever you want to do. I'm here yeah, all night. I mean, I, I, I agree with all these sentiments. Uh, <laughs> it's a great episode. And uh, there's definitely going to be more heads that uh, are going to be rolling. And Demon Slayer is just going to keep getting better from here on out. I feel like if you're enjoying these first five episodes, you're just going to love the rest of the series. Because it's only uphill from here. I totally agree with that. Like, the great thing about Demon Slayer is that there's no real slumps. It's it's just hype after hype after hype. Mm-hmm. Other shows might slap, but Demon Slayer slays. I mean, honestly, the initial stuff in manga form didn't quite grab me as strongly as it did in anime form. But, oh man, the next stuff definitely got me, even in manga. Yeah, and I hope that uh, everyone else feels the same. But for now, I think we should plug our stuff and get out of here. So, Paul, where can the good people find you? Why do I go first? What the hell? <laughs> because I introduced you first. Oh, we have to go with that fine. order. It's, it's Paul Senpai. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll give you bonus points for that. Um, <laughs> actually, one of my employees today called me Senpai. I was like, you're getting a raise. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Paul Pascrillo. Uh, you can email me, paulpascrillo at tunamifaithful.com. You can hear me on the Tunami Faithful podcast, which you should also listen to, and which is on everything, everywhere. So if you search for it, you'll definitely find it. And uh, if you're on our Tunami Discord, it's you can just at Paul Pascrillo and you can find me there. And Lum, where can people find you? You can find me at Lum Ramayasha on Twitter and as Lum Ramayasha on a variety of places like Annie List and Animation Revelation. Wherever it is a Lum Ramayasha, that's where you can find me. You can read my manga reviews on all-comedy.com. We've got a lot of those coming in. And I also host the Manga Mavericks podcast, which you can follow at manga underscore mavericks on Twitter and find on every podcast platform of choice. We are a podcast that discusses manga as a medium and as an industry, and we do retrospectives on a ton of great series. Most recently, we put out our retrospective on Saint Seiya, the Shonen Jump classic, hugely inspirational to uh, entire generations of Shonen manga, including Demon Slayer. You can trace a ton of influences back to Saint Seiya. We had on Shane and Garrity and Dr. Marty Morimoto, the editor and translator of the series for Viz Media, on the talk about the series. Sure, some insights on the English localization. A ton of great fun. So check that episode out and 
the entire spectrum of the Manga Mavericks podcast out, including Manga Mavericks at Movies, where we talk about anime movies uh, with our good host of Demon Slayer podcast here at Vlar GTC. So yeah, check all that out. Jesus Christ, did you even breathe? Uh, no, I think I did that all in one take. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. Yeah, definitely uh, go check out all that. Uh, Manga Mavericks and Lum just do a ton of amazing stuff. See, he went, I, he went I, so fast that V-Lord can't even tell you what it was. Yeah. Just remember, it's not micro machines. It's not the real thing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, definitely check out that Saint Seiya retrospective. I know uh, you guys have been working on that for a while, and you brought on some amazing guests for that. So definitely give that some love. But uh, Laser... Where can people find you? Well, comparatively, I'm pretty boring, but you can find me on at uh, LaserKid Prime on Twitter, and you can always find me bouncing around the Atomic Faithful Discord um, at LaserKid. You'll find me. Yes, he likes to harass people. I do. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's lovable harassing, though. I bounce Most off of walls. <laughs> you might want to get that checked out, then. I, I do need to get that checked out. Yes. But uh, as for myself, you can find me on Twitter at VLORGTZ, and you can find my more manga-focused reviews over on all-comic.com, and my more Tanami-focused articles and reviews over on TanamiFaithful.com. As for the podcast, you can find that on Twitter at DSlayerPodcast, and you can find the podcast itself on basically everywhere at this point. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor... You name it, we're probably there. So go listen to us. We're also on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Tsunami Faithful. Or not Tsunami Faithful. Wow, I'm losing my mind. Facebook.com slash Demon Slayer Podcast. It, it was his fault. He said Tsunami Faithful and it got in my head. And um, <laughs> we also have a website on TsunamiFaithful.com. Speaking of that, uh, TsunamiFaithful.com slash Demon Slayer Podcast. That's where you can find all of our episodes, any articles that... Uh, V-Lord, or I have a feeling that he'll suck other people in, as he usually does, uh, to do Demon, oh, yes. Slayer, Demon Slayer articles. So, uh, And those will be kind of separate from what the whole Toonami thing, because we'll talk about the dub over on ToonamiFable.com, but then, you know, if there's stuff with the manga and that, that'll be over there. So, that, again, that's uh, ToonamiFable.com slash uh, Demon Slayer Podcast. So, please do go to that website. Yeah, for sure. And that about does it, I think. So see you later, guys. Peace. We're out. Sayonara. Later.